Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Building Community in the Remote Workforce. I'm Melody Rawlings, Director of Cabo, and today I'm joined by Jordan Carroll. Jordan helps others on their path to personal liberation through remote work, strategic habit optimization, and lasting health. So today we are discussing ways to build community in remote work and why it's important. Welcome, Jordan, and thanks so much for taking the time to come and chat with me. Well, thanks for having me, Melody. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So over the past years, and especially after the major shift to remote work in 2020, I've been reading and hearing a lot about building community in the remote workforce. But before we dive into our discussion, would you get us started by telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, I am a remote job coach. So if that title is not obvious enough, I help people find remote jobs. That's one of the big things I've focused on the past four or five years. And it's been a really, really awesome, incredible experience to, to, to go through this with a lot of different people that are job seekers and people wanting to live a remote lifestyle. And I've taken kind of a, a specific interest in the remote style, remote lifestyle because I've been doing it for a long time as well. I've been remote since 2013 in various different circumstances, various different companies, as well as my own organizations that, that I've built. So remote work and building community as a remote worker or virtually is something I'm really passionate about. And it's really changed over the years for me as far as what that's looked like. And I'm just excited to share some of my thoughts on that today. Great. Well, I'm excited about having this conversation with you because I've been working remotely um, fully remote for the past almost six years. And before that, I was in a hybrid type of working format before it actually, before hybrid was a thing. So um, I love working remotely. I love working from home and I love the freedom that it gives. Uh, as you and I were talking before we began the podcast about traveling and, and being able to work from uh, wherever we, basically from wherever we choose. And I uh, love that freedom and that flexibility. But you know, a challenge that's a reality for many who work remotely is battling feelings of isolation and loneliness. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been hearing more about that, especially here lately. And uh, and I think it's especially true for those who, who basically pre-pandemic worked in a physical location where they were seeing their coworkers and their managers daily, you know, in person. And then were suddenly thrust into working remotely and no longer had that face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, co because I was working remotely full-time or fully, uh, I didn't, the COVID, the COVID pandemic changed nothing for me. So I didn't experience that, but I know that many did and many felt disconnected and lonely when working from home. And, you know, research, research shows that when remote workers feel like they're part of a community, it, in, it increases their engagement, their productivity, and generally just creates a positive work environment. So let's start with what does community look like in a remote work environment? Yeah. And just to piggyback off of what you said, here's how I would look at it. If you want to take the stance that being remote means disconnection, means loneliness, means all these things that can be perceived as bad, I would invite you to look at it as an opportunity. What do I mean by that? Well, the traditional way in which we've built community in our social lives in the past, if you have worked in an office, is largely built around the people at work. But what if you could accept that the people at work don't have to be your friends and don't have to be your only outlet for socialization? Mm -hmm. 
if you flip that on its head and you look at, oh, wow, how can I be intentional about the communities that I put myself in? in? Because remote work enables me to do that. Then all of a sudden we're coming from an empowered place and we're not looking at the loneliness. We're not looking at the disconnection. We're looking at how can I get my social needs met, which are very different depending on the person, through the communities that I choose to be in. So that's the first thing that I want to like preface any of my statements after this on looking at the opportunity that we have rather than looking at it as, as loneliness or disconnection. Does that resonate with you at all? Absolutely. I love that. And I think that is how it should be approached. And that's certainly how I approach it. I mean, I still see my coworkers on, on Zoom and so forth. And and yeah, I mean, I get together with them generally once a year. We have a, a symposium and, and I enjoy seeing them there, but they're not my only source, as you mentioned, of of what my community looks like. Yeah. So that totally resonates with me. And, and, uh, and I think that's just a great perspective. So what are some of the most common challenges that you see uh, with remote workers in building communities? So what if they're, you know, what if where they work from, from home or where, wherever um, is maybe in a place that's in and of itself is physically remote, for example. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I, I would go back, let's, we'll, we'll go back for one second on this, this other point too, of the fact that Community in the way that it's defined, it can get be defined in so many different ways, right? You can look at a virtual community, you can look at a physical community, you can look at a community that is of a few people, you can look at a community that's thousands of people. There's really so many ways that we could define this word community, but all I would want to focus on is the intentionality of going where you feel like you belong. That's really what I feel like community is, and that can be like, again, it can be very different for each person. So there's a lot of introverts out there who are remote, who actually have really benefited from not having to go into an office and face constant kind of social anxiety or really draining their energy at work in those social environments rather than being really productive. Then there's on the extroverted side, it's like people are kind of missing that interaction. So if either one of those profiles of people decides I'm going to be now intentional about how I search for the types of communities that I want to be a part of. That's going to be the main first step. Right. And that community again can look very different. I always start with like interests and hobbies as like, where are the places that you feel most alive? Where are the places that you feel like time is just flying by and and nothing else matters for me personally, that's like basketball. Like I really love playing basketball and I really love being around people that can talk about basketball. And when I live in a different country, like I do now in Mexico, one of the communities that I feel most connected to is the basketball community by going and playing. Right. But that's not the only community that I identify with because there is people that are also running businesses that run a community here in Playa del Carmen. And then there's also a spiritual community here and there's, workout community. So I would, the way that I think about it is there's a bunch of different activities and things that you probably like to do outside of work. Where is it that you can go that other people already have an established community of people that are doing those things? And so the common challenge might be that people feel disconnected from what their, what those opportunities are for them. Like, what do they actually like? If they got to choose, there are some people out there who actually just don't know what to do for a hobby. And that's okay. 
I think having awareness of that is, is kind of the first step to, to overcoming that. But then realizing you have this big opportunity in front of you and this big wide open um, place to, to determine where it is that you fit in. Another challenge would be deciding between virtual and, and in-person, right? For me, I have a mix of both communities. I really value having some communities that are virtual, especially with ones that are with my friends or with people that are all over the world. And then I really ha- have a need to see people in person too and having an in-person community. So I think deciding which of those interests that you have is the first step, becoming aware of that, and then which which hobbies or things you really want to pursue outside of work that make you feel alive, and then determining are those things that I really get that connection from in person, or are those things that I could do online? And then what's the scope of that? Do you want to have one-on-one interaction, or do you want to have one-to-many interaction? Because again, there are these extroverted tendencies, there's these introverted tendencies, and for me, I like to have big, I like to be around big groups. But my girlfriend, for instance, she is introverted and loves to be around small groups. So there's so many different considerations to how you do this. So there's no one size fits all. But if you just use this framework of determining what it is that you are enjoying outside of work, what makes you feel like you're in flow, those types of things, and then following the breadcrumbs to communities that already exist, I feel like you can overcome pretty much anything by doing that. You raised great points, uh, things I, I wish we had more time but just to uh, go into each one of those and discuss them. I feel like there's just a lot of value in everything that you uh, mentioned. And I'm thinking of the, even the health values that we often don't think about, but just being healthier and, and, the, and well-being by what you're saying about finding those things that you really enjoy and where you feel alive. And, and I think if, it's, if we're not careful, it's easy to get siloed. And um, and not think outside. And I love that you're bringing up to, you know, again, to flip this and, and think of it from a different perspective rather than just, oh, I really miss the face to face interaction in the office. Well, OK, you missed if you do miss that. Some people do miss that face to face in the office. But how can we uh, what else can we do? How can we make up for it that may be even better than that? Right. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I love that. And, and as somebody who's in somewhat, well, probably pretty introverted. I mean, I, I do find being out with others and, and, but I'm, I like small groups as well. And, and I like the one-on-one and, and I much prefer that. So, you know, working remotely, I, I've never felt isolated or lonely, but it's because, but if I think about it, it's not because, I mean, I have great relationship with my coworkers on zoom, but, but it's also because I have a, uh, things I'm interested in my, uh, you know, my physical area and family and support and things like that. So those are just great points. So that leads into the next question. Then what are some strategies, and you've already alluded to this and actually mentioned them, but what are some strategies leaders and maybe other coworkers might implement to build and maintain community? Yeah. um, I think this is a, this is a great one because I find myself stepping into a leadership role in a lot of my communities and, I think that there's 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 different profiles of people, right? Some people are leading an entire team. Some people are running their own business. Some people are a, an employee of a business. Some people are freelancing. So there's so many different types of um, people out there that you could consider leaders and coworkers, right? But I think one of the main things is that I like to do is I like to figure out what are the things that I can do on a weekly basis that get my needs met from a social perspective. So again, this goes back to like hobbies and and certain things, right? And as I meet new people 
in qualified communities. And when I say qualified communities, I'm part of many different remote work communities that are virtual, but yet they have people in all of the different cities that I go to. So I basically check in with those communities and say, who's here in this, in XYZ city? By having those pre-built communities that are already qualified, like they're either already qualified by the people being entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, or they are part, they identify as digital nomads or whatever it may be. That pre-qualification is really great. So I, as a leader, what I do is I insert myself into these communities that are already established. And then I'll usually take a few close connections from each of those places and develop more personal relationships with just a few people in those. And then what I'll do is I'll bring together the different communities in an event that I throw. So as a leader, I see it as my opportunity to connect people from different backgrounds and how they know me. So I had an event, for instance, in Playa del Carmen um, a couple of months ago, and there was probably about 50 people that showed up. Some were from this basketball group that I that I know. Some were from this entrepreneurial group that I know. Some were from this Spanish-speaking club that I was part of. Some of them were from uh, this company called Nomad Base. So like, I was able to kind of quarterback and bring together all these different people and sometimes these people will end up having a relationship, you know, outside of that event, right? And that's the biggest compliment to me was that I'm able to bring people together to be able to build that community, maintain that community, and then even create subcultures of that community outside of the original event that I had. And so even to the point of co-working is like, I'll have certain days where I go and co-work and I'll go to a certain cafe or a certain place and I'll invite people from these different backgrounds to come meet each other too. So I look at it as kind of a fluid thing where I'm trying to leverage established communities to understand the social dynamics and then bring the best people from each one that I become close to together to, to create an even, even more connected experience. I love that. I love being able to be that catalyst that brings the people together. And that's, yeah, I know that's a really good feeling when you can do that and help people make connections uh, to each other. And I'm glad you brought up the co-working spaces because I know we're seeing those pop up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish there was one here in my community. There's not yet, um, but I wish there was. And But I've been in them and I know they, the ones I've been in are wildly popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just provide a place for people to meet. And even if you just go there and you just uh, you're having just coffee and working on per, by yourself on your laptop, it's just still neat to be in that um, environment and the vibe that they have. And um, so it's it's pretty cool. And so you do you do use co-working spaces then? I have um, at this point in my we'll say remote or nomadic journey, um, I have multiple screens that I travel with and I end up setting up most of the time in my own apartment that I'm staying at. And that's the most comfortable for me, but maybe one or two days a week, I'll take my computer and I'll go to like a cafe that has enough space for co-working, or I will go to a friend's house and we'll co-work there. There there were times in my life where a co-working space was much more, um, I guess like enjoyable for that social aspect, but I also like, because I've been so remote for so long, I find that I can get kind of distracted when I'm in a setting that has a lot of people. 
So I just have to be aware of that. And within with co-working spaces in particular, I'm someone who, if I have to bring all my equipment, it just takes a long time to like yeah. walk all the way over there, get all my stuff out, set it all up. And then by the time I've done all that, it's maybe close to lunch. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I haven't got anything done yet. So I try to prioritize like, what is what do I feel like today? And have I got those social needs met? And are like, usually they're going to be met outside of work anyway. So I'm, you know, prioritizing just being comfortable with how I get my work done. Yeah. Well, I'm right there with you uh, with the multiple monitors and yep. two hard set up. So yeah. So when I, I'm just like you, uh, I go there occasionally and, and I enjoy when I do go because I, I feel like there is that I need to fulfill that, that need or to be around other people or what have you, or whether it's a coffee shop or a, an actual co-working space. But um yeah, so I, I agree with you. So it just depends on what I'm looking for and my needs at the time. And But it does take too much. If you have multiple monitors, if it's not just a laptop you're carrying, then it's probably not, it's not feasible then. Yeah. So that um, the next question I want to ask you, someone um, brought this up and asked me this question. And I thought, oh, that, would, that ties in well with, uh, it's going to be, I think, with my conversation with Jordan. So what are your thoughts on managers or team leaders uh, establishing norms? for remote workers or teams uh, in regard to helping build and support a community. In this, in this case, community being a work environment or remote work community. Yeah. So I'm friends with a lot of different executives at distributed organizations. Um, A couple of them in particular that I want to shout out are Chase Warrington of Doist. He's the head of remote there. And Darren Murph of GitLab, who is the head of remote at GitLab. And I learned so much from these guys about this stuff. And two of the biggest points that I've taken out from their contributions to this topic is that interaction that is, let's say, enforced, like social interaction that's enforced, rarely does well. And giving people the ability to opt out is a critical component of how managers and team leaders allow the community to form organically and for the, you know, those relationships to, to, to actually flourish. Because if you end up forcing people who don't actually want to have some of these social interactions because it's draining for them or for whatever reason, they don't need to explain themselves. You end up creating a resentful team culture where there's not really a true way. And you may even say, Hey, it's optional. But if the implication is that they will be somehow punished because they don't show up, that doesn't mean that it's optional. So you really have to establish if the the norm that you establish is that things are optional and that I I love one thing that that Darren told me about some of their process. And and, um, I think he was on stage at a a, a talk that I was at when he talked about this, but he was talking about uh, a company that basically had uh, bought all the swag. I think it was his company, actually. I think it was GitLab. They bought swag for all the uh, employees and sent that out. And they had basically a day in which they encouraged and made optional for all the people at the organization to go out into the community and do some community service at the place of their choice, wearing their their brand logo. Now you didn't have to go do this and, but you, you did get, you know, a, a, a pay, pay time off to do it. So 
it was kind of like a really creative way for each person to individually go in their own community physically, but still have some sort of connection to the remote team. So all of them, they were all posting pictures in their chat and talking about what they contributed to that day and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I think there's ways to do this that are still inclusive and they are still norms that give optionality. And I think that's important. I think that's a great way to um, build community, doing service in the community, in your community. And also when they come back together and discuss it, it's a good remote team building uh, opportunity. So yeah, I think that's, that's a great idea. Uh, Really good. And I, and I totally agree with not requiring, uh, but making things optional. I remember back um, a number of years ago, I where I was working, they, they, at first they didn't, they encouraged you to turn your camera on and I didn't have a problem with that, but others did. Then they started requiring you to turn your camera on and then it really became a problem. Well, that didn't like, that policy didn't last long because as you said, people began to get resentful about it. Yeah. And, uh, and that just doesn't work to force, you can't force people to be social. Yeah, you don't really want to because it's just not exactly. real. It's not real. So mm-hmm. it's not it, real. And, the, and, the, and people are so different in the way that they they not only feel about those things, but physically how they're impacted. So you're you're you could be asking someone to basically give up all of the energy they have for that day for this forced social interaction that allowed them to now do their job a lot worse. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, and I would say that there's a difference in norms and setting, um, setting ground rules. hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, there's a difference. And I think sometimes that there seems to be some, uh, there, if not careful, there can be some overlap there uh, saying a ground rule is the norm when, when there's a distinction between ground rules and norms. Um, so you, you would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, I mean, obviously there's different ways that semantics can get changed depending on the company, but I think there are ways that, again, I think, I think it's really the intention behind what you're saying. Are you saying this out of a place where you're encouraging and supportive and empathetic to the different needs of the different types of people on your team, or are you doing this because you want control? Absolutely. That, that's for sure. And control never works. Nobody wants, nobody wants a micromanager to be controlled for sure. So Jordan, I've learned so much from our conversation. Appreciate the, uh, those examples that you gave so many great examples. And, um, and I know that you have a book out and I just want to mention that too. And that um, is remote for life and love your cover design, by the way. And it has uh, Great ratings, super high ratings on Amazon. So would uh, encourage our listeners um, to go out and check it out. And so are there any closing thoughts you would like to leave with us? Yeah, just as far as, you know, community is concerned, kind of closing the loop on this is have it be a thing that makes your life better and changing the mindset around the opportunity that you have to build community as a remote worker rather than, again, the perceived sense of challenge of the loneliness and that sort of thing, like just reframing the way that you think about things can be such a huge gift for people that are working remotely and the realization that you don't need to build your only community at work. Work can be part of your community. Work can be part of how you identify with your social life and how you get some of those needs met. 
but really look outside of work and think about the things that you really enjoy to do and, and find out where those people are already gathering. Great advice. Um, can you share with our listeners where they can purchase your book and how they can connect with you? Yeah, uh, my website is theremotejobcoach.com. So everything is linked there. My book is also linked on that page. So it's very easy to get to from there. And yeah, if people want to get in touch with me, that's probably the best way. Awesome. Well, it's just been a pleasure chatting with Jordan Carroll. Uh, Thank you for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We greatly appreciate your insights and know our listeners will benefit from your expertise. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. 